Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I'm here with Ruth as ever. Hello, Ruth. How are you? All right. You? You know, surviving is the uh, is the best <laughs> way to describe it at the moment. I, th- I think we're all just trying to get by, aren't we? Exactly, exactly. Football being a, uh, a welcome, well, I'm not sure how welcome a distraction it was uh, a few days ago, but uh, a welcome-ish distraction. Um, we're going to do a, a bit of a, a quick pod for you on the... England friendly game, uh, of course, first, and then the Republic of Ireland draw next. And a quick chat for you ahead of the Bulgaria game, which by the time this goes out uh, will be today on Wednesday. Um, So, yeah, that is what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, so, Di, looking back at the England game, I mean, what, what was your immediate impression of the side we chose and and the general kind of setup for that game. I think the the setup in it, in itself, like formation wise and stuff, was nothing that I didn't expect. Um, I was relatively surprised with how strong a lineup we we put out. I think it was as close to um, a, f- a first choice back uh, six, if you include Ampadu in the midfield in that, as we as we were going to get really. Um, including the goalkeeper, the, the back four, and then obviously uh, Ampadu, like I said. And then after that, it became a bit more um, jumbled. So I was I was relatively impressed with the strength of the side we we put out. I was surprised that more played, and I and I do think that did backfire going into the Ireland game, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get to. But yeah, o- overall, in terms of how it looked on paper pre-game, I, I thought it was quite a well set up side. It was interesting. I I thought that. A proportion of what you might think of as us 11 that started really it was probably only um tyler roberts johnny williams and matondo that might not really be in the reckoning for a normal full strength starting 11 yeah. um and i think the in some respects, I think we've we've sort of hidden behind the fact that it was a makeshift side and they had a makeshift side. And I'm not actually com- as convinced that our side was perhaps as makeshift as we might like to we might like to think. Obviously, those the three across the middle in the attacking midfield it, it's so crucial, and it's you know perhaps the part of the the field where we do have the biggest differentiator normally. Uh, so in that in that regard, I, you know, it was a, a sort of backup team. But but equally, I think defensively, as you said, we had we had probably our starting back four. I mean, it might make a case for for Lockyer, particularly given how he's been playing yeah. um, in recent internationals. But that might be that might be the only change there. And I think to have been opened up as defensively as we were is actually quite a concern yeah I mean it's, it's a funny one I, I I think you're right it is I think that the differentiation you talk about there between in the the drop-off in inverted commas between players is is so big and I mean that with no disrespect to everyone I I do wonder sometimes when you look at our squad like this we, we talk a lot about how much depth we have um and we do have more players that are playing at a higher level than we have done in the past, I think. But I'm not. I'm, I'm just not sure how much kind of strength in de- in that depth there is. And I think that kind of was aptly demonstrated against England. I mean, I know they were a, you know, a Premier League experienced team that they put out. And yes, they were missing Keynes and Sterlings and Hendersons and whatever. But I mean, 
Jack Grealish has had a fantastic start to the year. Calvert-Lewin's had a fantastic start to the year. I mean, Everton haven't dropped a point. You know, that they've got a real... They've got real depth, and I think our lack of depth is exposed. The only thing I will say is that you're right, just to go back to your point of the defence, is, is that I do think the defence is put under extra pressure in, in games like this because of the absence of those players going forward. Because I, I do think after a first half an hour where we were okay, I thought, and I, you know, I've I've seen a lot of things saying, "Oh, we were very good first half and we dominated." We didn't. We we were just okay. It was quite even. Um, but then after that, the the tipping point comes when your Bales or your Ramses can't get on the ball so much, and everyone can move up the pitch. Um, so as a consequence, everything's a bit deeper. Everything's a bit more stretched. You're waiting for a bit of magic for someone that may not happen. And as a consequence, you lose the ball more. And as a consequence of that, the defence are under pressure. So, yes, I think the weakness uh, of our defending, and, and it was weak, and I, again, I'm sure we'll get onto it, it was definitely there for all to see. I do think the absence of those players did add extra pressure onto our defence, which probably didn't help the circumstance at all. No, I can I can see what you mean. I do think in that game in particular, there seemed to be um, a willingness on England's part just to let us have possession, particularly yeah. perhaps in earlier in earlier in the game across the back four. Especially. Presumably, yeah, presumably thinking that we couldn't do very much with the ball, and you have to kind of you know you have to kind of acknowledge that they were probably right. They were probably right. So although we looked okay in possession, we were doing very little. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, um, a lot of sideways passing, as you, as you were saying, along the along the back line, and it was really only when we lost more through his injury, and I think in, in England then started pressing a bit higher, um, and and the and the second half was a very different half than the than the first half. But I agree with you. I don't think we looked particularly settled, or certainly not able to create anything at really at any point, any point of the game. I agree, and I think the thing is with the absence of Moore going off as he did, which was obviously precautionary to save him for the Ireland game, which was the right thing to do. Yes, that denied us that kind of attacking hold up man, if you like, but. A lot of the play that was going up to him, he was just doing that. He was just holding the ball. We weren't kind of creating too much, I, I didn't think of him. And yes, it helped us retain possession better and all of those things. Um, I mean, we got into wide positions fairly well in that first half an hour. It didn't do much with it. And I think, I mean, I don't want to say too much now because I think it's a wider point that I know we want to come on to after the, the Bulgaria game. But he is so isolated... And often there's people not within 15 yards of him sometimes when the ball's going into him, be it from a cross or a longer ball, it becomes very, very difficult for, for, for him or anyone else to do anything when the ball may well stay in the attacking third, but in, a, in an unthreatening way. And I think from a, an attacking perspective, a perspective, that was the thing that worried me most. And I know we were missing our better players, but I, I felt like when we did get the ball forward, we more often than not squandered it be uh, without kind of threatening. Yeah, I, I think there's been an emphasis in discussion, hasn't there, on the defensive errors that led to the England goals. And, and obviously, as kind of turning points in the game and moments in the game, those have more, more immediate impact. 
But defensive solidity and, and you know, is the point you made in, in your blog about partnerships. You, you can build that if you have some time and some, uh, and some attention to, that, to developing those relationships. And I, I think one of the things that concerned me the most was defensively, you, we can work on the problems that came up defensively, communication, yeah. um, you know, get, getting Mepham and, and Rodden on the same page, for example. Um, but the abject lack of ability to threaten goals at the other end of the field doesn't seem to be something that you can immediately just work on. Yet there's got, there's got to be a, a sort of um, analysis of how are we scoring goals what has worked for us, and I think part of the problem now is what has worked for us, other defences have cottoned on. Yeah. You know, we're a big man up front team. And and clearly the likes of England and Ireland in particular, that's not an unusual defensive formation for them to need to address. Yeah. And we're immediately we're immediately stymied in those sorts of games. And I think actually my, my concerns are more... Um, pointed at the offensive end of the field because it's it's not just a simple sort of coaching setup and um and time situation it's actually what do we want to be how do we want to try and score goals and that wider thing that we keep coming back to about what is the plan b and um i know the intention is for us to do a another pod at the at the weekend and look at, at look at some of the the bigger picture issues that have come out of out of this out of this um out of this window in particular so i don't want to go down that rabbit hole so much today um and and try and just concentrate on the on the games that we've that we've watched but i <laughs> but. I, I was a bit concerned about how but i was a bit concerned about how the reaction seemed to be We've got defensive issues, and we obviously have defensive issues in that game. But in relative terms, we've let in very few goals lately. Certainly in competitive games, we've—I think it was ten goals in the last fourteen or fifteen competitive games. So we're not actually doing that bad at the back, but we're clearly not scoring enough at the front. Yeah, what can we do about it? I mean, it's a funny one, isn't it? I think. The one thing that I'm worried about is how we are conceding the goals we are conceding. Um, basically three crosses into the box against England. Ireland should have scored two goals. Um, one, well, from the same sort of, or could have scored two goals, sorry. One, uh, both crosses from the left-hand side, um, from the attacker's left-hand side. Um, I think it was Long who missed the first one and Duffy missed the second one. Really simple headers. And again, like Ben Davis is playing Long on side in the first one. Um, the, the, the second one just loses their marker very, very easily. Um, three set pieces against England. I mean, if you think the goal we were lucky not to concede against the Finns was from a corner where the lad, God knows how he's missed from literally a, a yard out. So my concern about it is that maybe you're right, that people are cottoning on how to play against us up front, but also perhaps defensively as well. We do seem to be conceding at least chances and goals from crosses and, and that sort of thing. So... That is definitely a worry. To look at the the attacking side of things, and I, and I, the, the, I say this. I was going to say in the nicest possible way. I don't think there is a nice way to do this. But um, the attack 
against Ireland reminded me of Newcastle, um, which is far from a compliment. But when Joe Linton was playing as a number nine for Newcastle, the biggest issue everyone always said was is that it's not that he couldn't hold the ball up, although he wasn't particularly capable of it. It wasn't that he couldn't hold it up. It was that when he did, people were so surprised that the ball stuck against him that they weren't there to do anything about it. And he often would lose the ball after controlling it or using it the first time because he didn't have any support. And Moore kind of looked a bit like that on the weekend. Um, on uh, Yeah, on the weekend, sorry. Because he had two massive centre-halves against him. And, okay, he won the occasional header, but it, that was all it was. It was a flick or something like that. And instead of getting around him, people became less and less convinced that they would get around him. So when he did win the headers or bring the ball down... The time he spent waiting for others to get to him meant that Ireland could get back in shape very quickly and all of a sudden their low defensive block is set and and it's hard to break that down again. And I think the only times we did it, like Wilson had a good chance against Ireland at the end of the first half and and that sort of thing. And, and, and those kind of rare moments, if you like, where that worked is a worry to me because like when it doesn't work, everyone is dropping off the centre forward and as a consequence... There is no plan B to kind of, well, what are we going to do about it? You know, I, I mean, again, a, a bigger picture stuff, and I don't, we, I, I don't need to say too much now. But the substitutions I thought really didn't help against Ireland, um, and there's there is a definite worry for me that we are a real, we're becoming a little bit predictable again, as we were toward the end of the Coleman reign in in terms of how we attack. Yeah, I mean, we, we seem to have moved on to the Ireland game, but I think it's worth mentioning as well that Hennessy's performance in the England game was crucial in that becoming not too embarrassing yeah. and, and enabling us to just put it down, down as a kind of sort of B-team type game. Um, and I, I do think that he saved us a lot of um, embarrassment in that game, potentially. And I don't think we can overlook that either defensively. I I agree with you in the sense that I think we're becoming a little bit of a one-trick pony with more up front. And I don't think in and of itself that's necessarily a bad thing. But if that's what we're going to be, then we have to commit to it. And I think that reflects what you were just saying, that, you know, he takes possession of the ball, whether he's chesting it down or whatever. And then he, you need the next man there straight away. And I, and I kind of get the feeling that we're, as you were saying, we're holding off that commitment, pushing forward in. And you can't, if you've got that single big man striker up front, it's all about the space he's creating and the and the hold up and the knockdown. And the, it's all about the next man. Yeah. And we're not committing to that aspect of it, which is concerning. So then it ends up looking a bit ineffectual which frankly it was um, <laughs> and the we at that point you can't put it down so much to um, to what was happening in the midfield because we were obviously closer to a starting a starting 11 in the island game yeah. you know that the three that were behind him behind more were obviously of a better quality than we put out against England. So you can't you can't kind of hang the issue on on um, 
the lack of experience of those players, we we should have been able to have more impact in that game than, than we did. I agree. And, and just to add on to that, when Moore went off and Tyler Roberts was kind of doing that up role, uh, upfront role basically on his own, what he was doing was playing where he normally plays, I think, which is a bit deeper, almost as a number 10. And what happened is the ball did get to him. People did get around him because it was deeper. But the problem, therefore, was that he was deeper. So then the issue is no longer getting the ball to the centre forward. The, 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 the issue is when we have the ball is being further up the pitch with it. And then that brought its own concerns as well. We end up being too deep. Anyone that went on and gambled sort of thing was out of position. Um and and that kind of led to some of our problems. So, yeah, it, it is it is a, a, a big thing. And I think, you know, we've also got to remember whilst we're saying these things that Kiefer Moore was playing in League One not very long ago. Um, he is with Tyler Roberts, who's yet to score a goal for Wales. He was with Rabi Matondo, who's making his first start for Wales. Like, for every negative thing I'm saying. I, I can also find, I don't want to say a positive, but certainly some, some level of excuse. So I, I, I do think mm-hmm. it's, uh, it is a problem that needs solving. But by the same token, I, I, I do think there are enough, um, yeah, I'll say excuses uh, to, to kind of bail gigs out in that instance. Whereas I think in the, in the Ireland game, I think less so. Yeah, I would agree. And I think there was some strange decisions from my from my perspective at least about the team we put out against Ireland you know if you if you have Ben Cabango in your squad but then don't think he's ready to play that game what's what's the rationale there and immediately of course it means you're putting Ampadu back as a centre-back which then puts some pressure on what are you doing in defensive midfield and immediately have you put in Smith, who's who's not playing, I couldn't understand that decision over Vokes, for example. Um, but it it just all smacks of yes, we've got a squad of twenty seven, but he's only actually really prepared to play fourteen, fifteen of them. Yeah. Um, like why? Why why are we going to? Why are we bringing in the youngsters? if we're not prepared to play them. I can understand that you're going to have a few of them around any squad because you want to get people familiar with the setup. But it does feel like we've swung to the point where people are being called up very clearly without an intention of playing them. Yeah. And I, I, can't, I, I can't find the right balance there. The, right, the balance doesn't seem right for me. I mean, Lawrence did a great piece today on the Welsh Football Fans website and it was talking about the, the, a, a similar thing to what you've mentioned there. Um, and it was something I was going to say, so I, you know, I, mean, I don't want to say you've stolen my idea, but um, I did think that if he wasn't going to play Cabango because he wasn't experienced enough, then bring in James Chester, who has been playing, who is experienced, if you're picking people on the form that they're showing or who's playing regularly, then by all means, if that's your decision, bring Dylan Lever in. I, I thought that was a bad, bad decision, but if that's your rationale, then that's fine. But then if, you, if, you, if that's your rationale, then you should be playing 
Cabango, <laughs> or you should be playing uh, Volks, or but you definitely shouldn't be playing Morel and Smith because they're not playing football. So I think the other thing that ties into that is I think he tried to be a bit clear when he first came into the Wales job. And I think Giggs as a consequence is now muddled in his thinking. And I think he's not helping himself because if that's the case, like Matt Smith and, and Joe Morrell haven't played for their clubs this year. And if, if you're going to play them, that's fine. Bring in Ashley Williams. Okay. Yes, he hasn't got a club, but he will offer you the experience that you've talked about missing. So it's a big squad. There's friendlies. You're going to drop people for the nation's league game to make a 23. So, why not use Ashley Williams in that circumstance? Maybe help him get a club with a good performance and and then that bolsters your, your options. And again, I'm not saying Ash is the is the future. He's 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 definitely not. But in a, in an instance like this where we're short, he could help. Like you made the point that we had three centre backs, like a specialised centre backs name for this squad. I mean, that's ridiculous when you look at the number of wingers and midfielders in that squad. Like Woodburn and Johnson were never gonna play. Absolutely never going to play. Why on earth were they taken uh, and, and and then not put in the squad? It, it, especially with the 21s playing as well. Like really, really odd decisions, I think, in that sense. So I have forgotten what the question was. But um, I, I, <laughs> I think the thing that I'm trying to get to is, I think that I latched onto is the muddled thinking. And I think that everything I've very badly said there um, reflects my opinions on equally muddled thinking from Ryan Giggs. Yeah, a whole, a whole plethora of muddled thinking. Um, I'm not even drinking. The... <laughs> That's what happens when you have a cup of tea. I know. So you, you shouldn't do pods on a cup of tea. <laughs> it doesn't work, does I'll have it? To, I'll have to put my lion bar down and get a beer. Um, the... <laughs> I think, well, obviously the fact that we started off with three centre-backs and then Mepham get in, gets injured. It's like, Sorry what's no. like when you've got, you're starting off with 27, how does that make sense? More particularly the situation up front when Hal withdrew and the fact that Moore was already sitting on a yellow card, it, it begs the question why we weren't calling up somebody. I mean, we can argue about how that somebody, should it be Sam Vogt, should it be Doyd, should it be Hedges, but... Like, let's get some cover there. We're now at a position where we're going into the Bulgaria game. The only striker we have is Tyler Roberts. And as you've said, it's not quite his most natural position. And he's, he certainly is a very different player than Moore. So all of this kind of um, background work we've hopefully been doing in terms of style of play, addressing a, a, a striker of Moore's type, We've now got to rejig completely because clearly that's not how Tyler Roberts plays. So we're going into a competitive game, presumably needing a different style of play. And we've done it and we're going to set that up in literally no time because the the game obviously was on Sunday. They probably won't train on Monday because it's the day after the game. Um and then travel. So they'll have today, and they're not going to do, I'd imagine, full sessions today after, you know, two games and, and the travel and the game being tomorrow as well. Um, tomorrow being today when you actually listen to this. But um, it, it, I don't know. I, I guess to to go back to what you, I think, originally asked me is, you know, Ampadu playing in defence in itself is a sign of, of short-sightedness. 
the centre forward in Hal getting injured are plan B to all intents and purposes um, and more being our yellow card shows short-sightedness and I and we've you know I've said before Giggs has earned the right to to make mistakes and do these kind of things and often they have paid off for him so I'm not saying Giggs out or anything like that but I will say that I think he needs to demonstrate to the fans possibly the players as well what his kind of thinking is moving forward because I do think that regardless of the result today slash tomorrow um, that against Bulgaria I do think this camp will have raised more questions than it will have provided answers and I, and I just don't think that's good for anyone regardless of the outcome No, I think that's actually a very good way of summing it that you've got an uh, you've got a squad that probably feels unsettled because you are not quite sure where you're heading it's a, you know it's easy, it's much easier to follow a path when the path is clear and like yeah. this is where we're going this this is our this is our framework for play this is our plan b when we have to you know this is the first choice player in this position this is the second choice player in this position and the second choice will come in you know suspensions and injury necessitated but this is the first choice player and i think it's there's just been so much swapping and changing and in fairness to gigs some of that is injury related you know we've talked a lot about pairings at center back in particular and a lot of that has been driven by injuries, whether it's Lockyer's current injury, Rodden and Mepham's previous injuries. But equally, there's been occasions where he could have shown some continuity and he hasn't. Yeah. And, and I do think that just leaves everything up in the air again. Um, I mean, you've had Cabango in these last two squads and he's played, what, a minute? Three minutes, yeah. Like, what are you... Yeah, what are you trying to build there? He obviously has a relationship with Rodden, but you're not utilising it. You know, what? like, what is your thinking? And I think you're right. I think it's just a matter of clarity um, of thought, which which then impacts your ability to have clarity of play. But again, I, I, I just can't disagree with what you're saying there. It's, it's, a, it's a perfect way of putting it. I think that the flip side of all of this is and it is a weird one is that in competitive games we still haven't lost for ages um we still haven't conceded a goal in this group we're top of the group with seven points we haven't lost um and it's you know in 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 days gone by okay i appreciate it's not a qualifier but if you'd have offered me that in you know 10 years ago say in any sort of situation you're going to play three games you're going to have not lost you're going to have won two of them you've not conceded a goal I mean the reality of the situation is I'd, I'd snap your arm off and I do think that the lack of Bale um, Ramsey and who I gotta say I don't think had a, had a good game against Ireland not that it was his fault but um, and, and I don't know if you've seen Ruth that Ramsey's going to miss mm. the game tomorrow Um so, you know, missing Alan, missing Moore. When you look at it in the context of we've played an England team who, albeit missed their better players, but have just beaten the number one ranked team in the world. Um, 
and now as we sit here we've we've drawn with an Ireland team full of Premier League and international experience especially defensively um we're still top of the group I, I mean it's it's a tricky one because there's a huge part of me wants to say that we have been basically shit to watch um and I was chatting to a, a pal of mine in the pub when we were watching the game and, I, and he was, and he turned around and he said it was like is it always this bad um um and and it isn't but recently it hasn't been great i mean the performances against finland at home bulgaria at home um the england game and and obviously the ireland game there are four bland performances and all right punctuated by late goals in in two of them but other than that you'd have to say that we we've not exactly set the world alight and his comment to me was from what he'd seen was that wales seemed to play well for 10 or 15 minute patches and if it goes well in those 10 or 15 minutes and you score a goal then perfect that's great but the problem is if it's not perfect and great in those moments you don't score a goal and that is the problem with the type of performance you have it it becomes unsustainable to play the way we're playing because all of a sudden you take a bailout or you take a nico williams 94th minute header out and you look at every other minute of the game apart from the one where we score a goal and it's and it's really not very good. So it is a really weird situation I think we find ourselves in where we're playing not very good football. There's lots of things that aren't, well, maybe not lots of things, but there are some things that aren't going well. But at the end of it all, when you look at the thing that matters, which is the result, by and large, you'd have to say that things are going well it's, it's, it's such a weird um, juxtaposition a word you don't hear on this podcast very often <laughs> yeah I, I mean I, I don't think you're wrong I think it you know you can end up feeling churlish to com- to complain about this when you look at the group situation um, but I, I think it's I think the worry is kind of projecting forward isn't it it's like if this is if this is our performance level Yes, we're getting away with it. Yes, you know, we have, like you say, 94th minute headers that, that save us, you know, a, a save here off Hennessy that's crucial or, you know, whatever it might be that enables us to get these results in the book. But I think what I think the concern becomes you, you can't sustain these sorts of performances and expect to actually really get anywhere. And with the Euros on the horizon, you obviously want to want to go into that feeling settled and feeling um, just good about the football that you, you're, you're producing as a as a team. And I don't think it has to be um, don't think it has to be pristine. You look at how we went into the Euros in in 2016 we kind of bumbled our way through the first six months of 2016 but I feel there at least we knew who we were and we knew who our starting 11 were basically and I think that does give you a kind of inner confidence and strength to then see through the bad performances because it's it's a it's a progression to it to an ultimate result whereas now I feel we're we don't have that solidity of how do we play and who are we? And and so it becomes the performances take on a greater worry. I agree. I, I, and I, and I, I think 
the worry is natural as as Wales fans. I think you know we've we've seen enough crap to be naturally pessimistic. So I, I think to have that worry and concern is fine. And and you know even when things are going well, I think it's an interesting sign that we are saying like you know like oh god is the performance good enough? But I think it it does show to a wider problem. But I, you know it is an interesting um, balance I guess between wanting good football and and the the good football doesn't matter if we as long as we get the result and i and i do worry that with you like you said with the euros on the horizon i do worry if we may be slipping toward a point where we're not having the performances and <laughs> we may not get the results i mean i'm I, I don't know exactly how italy turkey and switzerland got on but i feel like if we'd played like this um against them in these windows i <laughs> I don't think it would have gone too well, but again, we're missing players. There's just so many ifs and buts, and I, and it's quite difficult, I think, to kind of for anyone, be it us or professionals, to make any kind of sound judgment on the situation because there is a lot going on, um, and it does make it hard to to be clear. I think probably for gigs to his players and and, and us as fans to kind of express what we're thinking because it is a bit of a jumble, an unusual situation of. We've qualified for the Euros. We're waiting for this brilliant event to happen. Yeah, we're really not playing very well. It's it is just a bit of a jumble, really. So hopefully, um, looking at tomorrow, we'll or today, um, you we'll be able to we'll be able to have uh, some some more positivity to to add. I mean, and just one final thing from me about this being the more situation. I I I don't want to harp on about it, but. It is very bad planning, knowing that Moore was already on a booking. The way he plays, he was always likely to get a second booking and and miss this game. To not have a like-for-like replacement in style to him ahead of tomorrow really does worry me. And I I can't remember what my prediction was last time. It was almost certainly uh, (laughs) going to be wrong anyway. But I'm going to be honest with you, I am a bit concerned about tomorrow and I do think with no Ramsey no more no Bale no Allen no Brooks um, we are at a, a situation there where our lack of depth is going to be exposed a bit tomorrow I worry and and then I don't it's not heaping pressure on gigs but it, it certainly puts him in a in an awkward corner uh, after this kind of international window yeah I mean I think that's the concern isn't it the the num that long list that you just went through of, of who we're missing, it's that list is starting to build and it's starting to build in a lot of pretty key players. You know, we are we are getting to a point where, um, you, you know, you can add Lockyer to that, you can add Mepham to that, that would probably be, yeah. possibly be starters as as well. Um, and I think you're getting to a point where despite the the raw numbers of players that are within the squad you actually haven't got the depth perhaps that we've we've liked to think we have in that sort of volume you know when you're trying to cover that many scenarios um and, and I agree I think it's going to be a difficult um a difficult away game it's not an easy place to go to I think the traveling by the time they get to Sofia that's going to build up they haven't you know for how long they've been together in this window they actually haven't had that many training days when you when you take out the travel days and the travel days and the recovery recovery days um so i I, you know it's it's a straight it's a strange window for a whole 
host of reasons, you know, some some more obvious than others. But it has the potential, I think, to, as you say, to be a really difficult game t- tomorrow. And I, I think the, I mean, my original prediction was for a draw, and I think I will still stick with that. And it wouldn't surprise me if it turns out to be another very nothingness nil-nil draw. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask to change my prediction to nil-nil draw, which means it's probably going to be five all now. But um, yeah, I, 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 I would totally agree. I don't think we're going to score. We don't look like scoring um, in the la- haven't looked like scoring. Sorry, in the last two games, and I, they're not a very good team. So I, I think on the balance of things, it's going to be a fairly turgid affair. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do wonder, to be honest, how this how you know, moving forward, what is going to happen here? Because in my opinion, the Ireland game shouldn't have gone ahead. Um, given the the COVID tests and whatever else had happened, I think there's more and more people um, who are being tested positive. I've seen Cristiano Ronaldo tested positive today. I do wonder whether, you know, playing three football matches across Europe in three, you know, very, it's th- three dates, sorry, in a very small window, I just don't really think that's feasible next time, and I, and I do really wonder and worry if if the next window will will actually go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think the saving grace for us there is their home games, um, but like, and I know we're meant to have a friendly in that window. That just seems like why, <laughs> why? Uh, it's just some of UEFA's priorities at the minute seem very very skewy Um, and I agree with you about the island game I think that that volume of positive tests within their bubble should raise some questions from from you know other associations about whether your players should be um, should be involved I hadn't heard about Ronaldo's positive test um, because obviously that may flow back to the situation in Juve or it may be something he's picked up with Portugal. Um, And I think it's that uncertainty and that kind of um, incubation period that then makes it very difficult for for any association to try and keep the lid on the lid on things with it within their bubble as well when you've got people coming in and out at this at this rate. And the protocols, the thing that I was surprised at was is that the protocols are set by the nation um, mm. and you would have thought that given the circumstance and how much travel would be going on for, you know, like I'm for, for the sake of argument, each team, each squad for the players and everyone else that goes probably about 50 people for each squad. If not, a few more will travel around. I'm, I'm sure there's journalists who are, who are doing similar as well. And I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm surprised that UEFA haven't made kind of standard protocols. Um, Rather than just leave it up to the uh, each federation, which again, I mean, it's, it's a story for another day, I suppose. But um, I am, I am really surprised by that, and I, and I was, I was, and remain surprised that that game happened. I'm equally surprised that we've been in contact with all those people as players, and now all of that group mm. are, pl- are flying out to to Sofia, um, where they're going to have. I think I've read something that was it. I think it's ten and a half thousand fans are going to be at the game. Um, Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, you know, it's it's impossible to make good decisions. I think for anyone at the minute because it's such a variable and new situation. But I, I am surprised that things are things are going ahead. I've got to be honest. And you know, 
surely it's unfathomable to have uh, have another thr- uh, friendly thrown in, in in the next window as well. Just completely unnecessary and pointless. Um, so I'm ranting now, sorry, but I I I, I do. I do wonder how this is going to work moving forward, and I am, and again, something well, I'm sure we'll talk about after this. But I am massively concerned for the for the Euros. I've got to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think the way things are brewing, you can't see how it's going to improve over the winter. You can only see how it's only going to get worse over the winter, yeah. and so, and then of course there's the political situation in in Azerbaijan at the minute as well never you know that's really, it's a bloody war else. during a pandemic that's, that's, <laughs> that's, you know that's a whole different question <laughs> yeah I mean, um, that that actually feels like i mean ridiculous it sound that actually feels like a normal problem yeah. doesn't it Do you know i mean it, like how, how like how the world has changed yeah. um we can deal with a war anyway. but we can't deal with it with the yeah. pandemic what a ridiculous way to be anyway um yeah is there, is, is there anything else that you want to add ruth is there anything else on our list I think right now we probably need to be careful that we don't segue off too much into our big picture stuff because I think rather deliberately um, we want to do that at the at the close of the window when you we can actually look at, for example, if we if we win tomorrow, you know, a, a four points out of uh, these two competitive games would would not be a bad return, and that has to that has to come into our thinking, I think. But um, yeah, I think I think over the weekend we want to look. Um, a lot more about some of the situation around how players are underperforming, um, some of Giggs's thinking, the partnership stuff that you've brought up. I think they'll we'll have a much bigger discussion on on that more uh, more sort of open ended questions. Yes, I would I would agree with you. Plus, it is my turn to make the tea tonight, so uh, I've uh, I've got, I've got to get I've got to get the grill on before before Joy gets home in 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 fifteen minutes or so, just to make it look like I've achieved something with my afternoon. Well, there you are. Don't pod then. Um, <laughs> now, I mean, this, 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 the 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 one saving grace for me with the Bulgaria tomorrow is it it's actually on at lunchtime here, oh, whereas the time. island goes a. It was a 6 a.m. start and getting up at 5.30 to watch that dross, <laughs> it was terrible. Uh, if, if it makes you feel any better, I had a full day in the pub. And uh, when the, the, the pub that we, our local pub is called the Cock Club, which is obviously the reason we uh, we chose to, to go to it in the first place. Um, and the two women who run it, absolutely lovely couple, they, uh, they came over. So I, I had few drinks watched the game went for dinner and then came back with joy after dinner and they kind of like put the bill down at the at the end of the day and i was just like oh god not only have i had to deal with this absolute toilet football um i've also now got to play a massive bar tab because i've forgotten that i hadn't paid the first half of it before going for dinner so uh, yeah it was uh, it was a less than ideal day and also less than ideal explaining to joy why my bar tab was 93 euros for a day on my own in the pub but again very much talking about side issues here. Apologies, ladies and gents. <laughs> anyway, um, I think we should wrap this up. Um, yes. Thank you very much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We will be recording on Sunday um, at the end of this uh, at the end of this week. So by Monday next week, you will have a brand new pod about. Um, this international window. I have got a blog out on the Welsh football fans at the minute 
about defensive partnerships, go and have a read of that. And there is a lot of great stuff on there as well. So please keep your eyes and ears peeled from everything that comes from there. Thank you for listening. And uh, I will see see you. I won't see any of you. I will speak to you. Uh, I'll speak to you soon. Uh, good luck to the boys today slash tomorrow, depending on when you're listening. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye-bye.